Okay, we are live. Matora and our second opportunity for lesson 38. This will be, I guess, 38B. And uh, for those of you following along at home, we are on page 45 in the study guide looking at Romans 12 through 16. I'm going to just officially say that we covered Romans 12 and 13 ad nauseum ad infinitum last week. Um, some of you need, uh, need a civics class. I'm thrilled that Mr. Martin was uh, there with me to uh, Hold the line on the ten-year presidential uh, <laughs> laws. Afraid. Uh, now, how does that work again? Yeah, really. If if Greg Upham wasn't here, I mean, I think we would have been out running. They would have changed the constitution right here in, in our midst. But uh, all in all, the, uh, I think we're good with that. So we're going to pick up with Romans chapter 14, and I'm going to, uh, as we've uh, has been our practice of late. Uh, go ahead and, and read around the room a little bit so that we can uh, gain context and, uh, and so we can get Joshua Martin in the mood. He's got to be in the mood, and then he starts to participate. So we're going we're gonna to do that. What's that say? <laughs> Okwaka? Yes, sir. Okwaka. Nicely done. You know, I tell you what, uh, Weddington Methodist Church had several uh, computers with that virus just as possible. <laughs> but we got them all clean. That's what, you know, that's good. Okwaka. So what, what happened in Okwaka? Did you get married in Okwaka? Uh, no, I didn't. So what, what happened in Okwaka? I lived there for the first 18 years of my life. Really? Yeah. We, I didn't know that even had a Okwaka is home. Okwaka is indeed home. Wow. Well, President Lincoln, uh, yeah, had yeah. one of the Lincoln Douglas debates in okay. Okwaka. Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It may cause you to be a very good listener. Yes, indeed. Those took a long time. Yeah, right? right? I mean, yeah. like two, three hours, one guy would talk. Two, three hours, the other guy would, you know, respond. Yeah. An official stop of the Underground Railroad during the Civil War. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and a great home, great t-shirts. Nice. Did you just visit or did you just get that? I just got it. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okwaka. <laughs> and now I know how to spell it. Okwaka, Illinois. All right, for those of you listening at home, a little geography opportunity there. That's right. All Civics right. last week, geography this week, well-rounded. Uh, you know, we're moving here. We're moving here. Right, so you got, uh, have you got a, uh, an English version of the Bible that, that we can all listen to, Jonathan? Or uh, yeah. is that something weird? Yeah, how far are you going to go? I'm just take your first paragraph there. Uh -huh. I'm taking that, to, that'll bring it to the end of verse four. Now, as for a person whose trust is weak, welcome him but not to get into arguments over opinions. One person has a trust that will allow him to eat anything, while another, whose trust is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats anything must not look down on the one who abstains, and the abstainer must not pass judgment on the one who eats anything, because God has accepted him. Who are you to pass judgment on someone else's servant? It is before his own master that he will stand or fall, and the fact is that he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. Nicely done. So, um, mm 
again. We've already had bands. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I'm sure we do. Yeah. Um, we can't we can't opine though yet on what this passage means yeah, until we read the next we're, one. We're, we're going to keep going here. I was. I think last last week we did paragraph comment paragraph comment, and it was robust and quite fun actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go ahead and take it to the end of the chapter before we start. Uh, there's only 23 verses, so uh, second paragraph. You want to you give us a little read there? Uh, take it up to uh, the end of verse 9, sir. One person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might lord both of the dead and of the living. I know that man. Yeah. Now, bless you, man. It's good to see you, Joshua. Okay, so let's just summarize those first two paragraphs. First paragraph, how would you say, how, how would you summarize what what Paul is talking about there? It, Something not to pass judgment based on what someone else does. The topic the topic is is what type of food? Vegetables versus meat. Kosher. No. Well, vegetables versus meat. Anything right? Vegetable. I wouldn't say kosher. Vegetarian. I would say vegetarian right. versus meat. I also say fasting versus not. I think that was the That's, second paragraph. Oh, I'm sorry, was yeah, the question of the first? Yeah. With you. Yeah, so I'm the second sorry. paragraph, fasting versus not fasting on a traditional fast day. Right. So let's, 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 let's yeah, back yeah. up and look at the first paragraph. <laughs> All right, so. I missed the first question, well, sorry. We, we may so, only yeah. get this far as <laughs> <That's it. laughs> three verses in. <laughs> it's gonna, and now we're here for the ninth version of the uh, lesson 38. <laughs> One person believes he may eat anything. Now, since Paul has, from the beginning, and we have confirmed over and over again, held the Torah as the standard of living for those who believe, mm -hmm. whether Jew or Gentile, when he says anything, does he mean broken glass? No. Does he mean aluminum foil? No. What does he mean? Food. Food. Yeah. And how do we define food? Torah. <laughs> There it is. And it's important to put in the context here that the, um, I mean, the, the Bible's already got an example of this. We have in the book of Daniel, an example yeah. of someone who, in a situation in which they were surrounded by pagans who were offering up meat to idols, which we already know from reading 1 Corinthians is a problem yeah. in these Gentile communities. So um, Daniel's resolution here is to eat vegetables. There's nowhere... In the entire Torah, aside from the very first couple of chapters of Genesis, prior to the flood, where God mandates that you only eat vegetables. Right, so once you have chapter 6 of Breshi, we're good. So, uh, let's not focus on the vegetables. Let's focus on what is not there. What is removed from the diet? Meat. Mm. Are we in accord, or do we need to continue? Yeah, the, the one who abstains abstains because he doesn't think the meat would be... Not because... I'm not looking for reasons. Right. All I'm asking is, what is the topic... 
of the first paragraph. Right. I would say me. Me. Yeah. Me. Second one, fasting. But what we're missing in that first paragraph is pork. Is, I beg your pardon? Pork. The problem with the traditional interpretation of the first four verses of this passage that somehow Paul is saying there are some who say you can't eat uh, non-kosher things, and there's some saying that you must, you know, or you can. The the issue is that the the con it's again it goes back to the context. You're you're missing the compa- the contrast. Why would Paul contrast eating quote unquote anything with only eating vegetables? It's kind of an unusual. Like if he's trying to say get rid of the whole Torah thing, we're yeah, past that I, now. I, I, I can be talking about pork versus. I think none. we're arguing something that nobody here needs to argue. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Is there anybody here who thinks that Paul is saying that anything means non-kosher things? So, to your point, to your point, to your point, because I mean, you you've been studying this probably longer than anyone here, other than those that are older than you. But to your point, for those that are listening online. Clearly, Paul is not making an argument to eat, to Caleb's point, non-food. Right. Right? Because we don't consider pork to be food. That food's defined by God. And that food is called kosher. It's fit. Right? You're going to have to speak up really loud to pick it up on this (laughs) mic over here, brother. And I'm not even sure if the first paragraph has anything to do with meat or food, really. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily the point. I do feel like his main point that he opens with is this whole idea about quarreling over opinions. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, if he's just I, using an example... I, I think he's got two examples of that. I, I think he's got two examples. No question, but, but are, I'm asking those... what the example is now. We'll get into what his point is when we're done with the chapter. What's his example in the first chap, in the first paragraph? Well, okay. <laughs> if you're only looking for That's all I'm looking for. Okay. Because he's got, in the second paragraph, same thing, right? His, his second paragraph is another example of his opening salvo. Okay. Right? The first one, you got some people here that won't eat meat. Why won't they eat meat? They don't think they should. Okay, fine. What, how do we deal with that? Because we're talking about relationship, right? First, our, we first had a relationship with, with the government and ourselves, and or first with uh, the relationship of chapter 12, the relationship between us and the Torah. 13, the relationship between us and government, man-made government. And now the relationship between ourselves, amongst ourselves. So, me, if you don't want to do me, how do I treat you? How do you treat me? Do you look down on me because I'm eating meat and you don't eat meat? That kind of thing. Second, I keep the fast days. Not the fast days, but the fast days, the traditional ones. Mm-hmm. The 4th, the 5th, 7th, the 10th. Right. Or possibly every Every day Tuesday before, and Thursday. Or every, or every day before the Shabbat or whatever. Or Rosh Kodesh. Like, yeah. um, I mean, even today, the Chabad have what they call Yom Kippur Katan, yeah. which is the last weekday prior to the start of the month. And that's a fast day. Exactly. Yeah. So these traditional fast days. So how do we treat one another on that? If if Todd's not going to do it, but you're going to do it, I, I mean, is, is one of you looking down at your nose at the other, and that kind of deal? And just a clincher here for those. We're going to come back to you for those who want to, to uh, who might 
be faced with the argument, because no one here is arguing this point, faced with the argument to say that esteeming all a day's like is somehow a reference to holidays or Shabbat or whatever, I think the best proof of this is the context. In verse 6, it says, The one who observes the day observes in the honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats on the Lord. Now, I know that eating was in the previous paragraph, but it does seem to be particularly fitting here for you talking about fast days, because you're talking about keeping a day and eating. Right. Because if you keep the day, you wouldn't eat. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm glad we had that little sidebar. So, Josh, can you read for me? Yes, sir. I'm looking at uh, the third paragraph, and you should take it right up to the end of 12. So from 10 to 12? Well, yeah, since we ended at 9, I think that's appropriate. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Are you who do or are you who do you despise your brother? We will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says Adonai, every shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Nice. I love this midrash. What a <laughs> what a creative way of looking at that verse. Because you know, we we if you pray Lenu, um, in the mornings or in Musaf or whatever, you've you've prayed this verse. Quite yes. a bit. Yes. And it's all about allegiance to God, bowing before him, confessing. But Paul does this fun little thing with the word confess and plays the double meaning off of it. One meaning confessing earlier. He talked about confessing that Yeshua is Lord. Right. Um, now he's talking about confessing like confessing your sins. Right. Like to a priest. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. The double entendre. All right. Alex, you want to give me the next one? Um, 13 down to 19. For those of you who don't have paragraph marks, okay, good, I'm yeah, because I'm I, I did the monk thing and I got my verse and chapters and and I think it was later on that we got the paragraphs for the American Standard folks in 1995. So thank you. Clarify. <laughs> 1989 originally. Yeah. All right, 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another any longer, but rather judge this not to put any obstacle or stumbling block in our brother's way. I know and am persuaded that in the Master Yeshua that none at all is common of itself, but to him who regards whatsoever to be common, to him is common. And if your brother is grievous because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not by your food ruin the one for whom Messiah died. Do not then allow your good to be the spoken of as evil. For the reign of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the set of sparks spirit. For he who is serving Messiah in these matters is well-pleasing to God and approved by men. So then let us persuade matters of peace and the matters for building up another. Persuade or pursue? Uh, pursue, I'm sorry. Pursue, correct. Can you give me 19 again? Sure. So then let us pursue the matters of peace and the matters for building up one another. Nicely done. So, um, how many of you had unclean. common in your verses, or did you have unclean? Unclean. Yeah, unclean. unclean. Okay. Yeah. So, Alex really wins that one because it's it's well, kind of what kind of Greek was was being spoken by the common people? Koine Greek. This is the word koinos. This is common. And, and truly, that's the opposite of holy or set apart, even in Hebrew, right? So something's set apart, it's made holy, it's separated, or it's common. We've seen this. So, no. We've seen this before. Um, 
with the sheet that was let down. Correct. There's a play off of this, and there's two different words, mm -hmm. one of which is common and is unclean. In addition, in Judaism today, they would there there is some kind of similarity between the two in the sense that like they're both contrast, and one is you know more spiritual than the other, but they're definitively different. Um, if you pray the end of Havdalah prayers, you will list off all the different ways that God has separated things from one another. Mm -hmm. He separates the clean and the unclean. He separates the holy from the common. Some translations say profane, but the idea being that today, everyday stuff, you mm -hmm. and I do, mm -hmm. and this is stuff that's really special set apart for God. Shabbat is holy. Exactly. The yep. work days are common. Exactly. Scott? I was just going to comment, is this in a case of translator bias? Where the word unclean is used, they're they're bringing a concept to the word common that isn't really there. Yeah, and they're doing it from an anti-Semitic standpoint. It could be attempting to link back to Acts. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely could be. Yeah. All right. So what do we got? Uh, just a, another paragraph. Scott, do you want to you want to figure this out? Twenty and uh, take it to the end of the chapter. Sure. Not for sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whoever does not proceed from faith, from whatever... Thank you. Mm -hmm. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay. He's trying to play the goodbye card here for <laughs> So as I read that, um, it, let's see. Um, everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine. It caused me. It didn't say that. Let's finish the rest of the sentence. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Right. Which he, brought he didn't me back to it's, it's wrong to eat right. When Paul says <coughs> it is better for man not to uh, to marry. Right. Where all I see are things that he is saying are your life could be more positive if you did not drink. Mm -hmm. Your life could be more positive if you did not Maybe. marry. Maybe or, I, I or don't know that he's saying. I'm sorry. Or eat meat. Judge, or yeah. eat meat, right. That is, that, the way it was written. That's not what the sentence says. Right. right. The end of the sentence is, is the key. Don't do these things if it's going to cause your brother to stumble. Which is why I made him finish the sentence. <laughs> but uh, I still think it, I, I don't think it was, I don't think that connection was made. Yeah, I think you're right. So, so I'm going to, I know you all have conversations and topics to make. And I, I promise you, I will give you all the time to make your points and I hope that you feel comfortable in sharing your perspective and what you think about this passage so that we can just kind of hash it out. There's no judgment here, um, depending on where you, where you sit. Um, <laughs> so so I, wanna, I wanna talk about two men in the room specifically, and they are friends of mine, and I have, uh, of course, not prepared ahead of time for this. So uh, first is uh, my very, very good friend, Scott, and uh, he is a teetotaler. I know my new friend Joshua is, but Joshua could be an axe murderer. I just don't know him that well yet. 
Scott, I already know, is not an amateur, so that's okay. Um, but Scott and I have talked about this uh, many, many, many times. And um, I've had the privilege of uh, giving him the opportunity to do the Kiddush blessings at the end of Shabbat, knowing full well that he cannot and will not drink the wine. And I've, I've, I've drank it for him. I know that he does not judge me because I do drink wine. He certainly knows that I don't judge him because he doesn't drink wine. Um, we have a great relationship in that regard. And I know that I would, and have asked in certain cases, and uh, he, we just work, I think, very well together on that point. And I would never do anything to cause him to stumble or to cause a problem for him with his kids or whatever's going on there. On the other side of the room is my very good friend, Jonathan, and uh, who I haven't known nearly as long as Scott, but I know he's not an axe murderer yet. Kayla yeah. and Joshua, still out in the judgment. Um, Jonathan is a vegetarian. I could say exactly the same thing that I just said about Scott. I, I would never do anything to cause him to stumble or to cause him any kind of pain or, or hassle in his face. I think he knows that. I know he knows and feels the same way about me. He is also a teetotaler. So we've talked about this. There, there's, there's no problem here in our faith and our practice, and in our relationship, etc. So there's other folks in the room that have chosen to limit themselves and are teetotalers and or vegetarians or both or whatever it may be. So as, as we discuss this, I wanted to bring these two guys to your attention only because I know them and because I don't want you to say, well, a vegetarian, I mean, clearly here, let's talk about it. Let's keep it on a high level because even if we didn't have folks in here that chose to limit themselves, we have no idea who's listening online. And they may not be listening online right now. They may listen 10, 15 years from now. The point of the passage is exactly. to judge these people. Right. So, so let's, let's keep it on a, on a high note here. Uh, if you think you're walking perfectly righteous and uh, and the pool outside is ready for your you know, tiptoeing, that's cool. But let's uh, let's see if we can start at the beginning and get to the back end of this chapter and figure out just what exactly is Paul's bottom line. Joshua, I know you had a comment. Go ahead. Sorry, my comment from the right end of the chapter. All right, so we'll we'll wait on that. Who wants to kick us off here? All right, go ahead. Well, I mean, there was, what I was trying to say before was I did feel like there were several great examples of Paul's point, and that, you know, the meat versus the vegetables, and the the one about fasting and whatnot. But again, those only being like, in my mind, when I was kind of reading through this, I felt like this was so much less about getting into the, Nitty gritty, yeah, exactly. More about like, let me just throw out a couple things that you guys are probably familiar with in your own community, and use those as examples to show you how you shouldn't even be talking about that. So you shouldn't be arguing about that. There shouldn't be questions. Oh, why do you do that? So so why why wouldn't he bring up halakhic points? 
why wouldn't he try to give halakhic argument or halakhic standard in this letter to this Roman assembly? Well, one of two things. Either it didn't matter, okay. or there wasn't any halakha around us. It was all, like, as he puts it, opinions. These are things that each person has said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And they've, they've made that choice for themselves, in right. which case there isn't necessarily a broad so, halakha so, around those issues. So let me, let me go ahead and pull the Greg up card and say, but that can't be true. The halakha is settled. I was just saying, what is the word that we are dealing with? It's not halakha. In common? It's minhag. Tradition. It's minhag. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the traditional interpretation or it's the interpretation of that local community. So he's got no business talking about, I mean, can you eat meat? Well, Joshua's already, you know, pulled out the, the Genesis 6 thing saying you can eat anything you want. That's kosher. That's food. And can you fast on a, on a day you choose? Obviously, you not only can do that, but God actually grabbed those traditional fast days that were never defined in the scripture and used them as hallmarks of the change that will happen when his son Messiah returns. So halakha is not what we're talking about. This is strictly not. And what happens in different families and in different communities? I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, that's, I think that's very, that's very good. I, I do think... What's his point? What's his bottom line, Greg? That, well, love, love each other, basically. How do I do that? From not this chapter. Quarreling not quarreling. Word. Yeah. So, uh, are you saying that Paul is trying to teach me that I shouldn't argue with my friend Mr. Martin about whether or not he should drink alcohol or whether or not it's acceptable to do so or whether or not Jesus actually turned water to grape juice not wine and stuff like that. He would recommend you abstain from such conversations. Abstain is such a great word here. Are we good so far? We're good. I like it. It actually I'm says... A, I'm referring to my brother. So Holy cow. It actually says the faith you have, keep it to yourself. Mm. God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... There's really, there's really not a, not a lot of reason to go through this. How would you know, like you did not know that he was a vegetarian? I didn't. Why would it ever come up? Unless you're going to serve him food, mm -hmm. or, at least, or you're going to, well, we don't have, we don't have to get at uh, Oneg. Oneg anyway. How would, how would you know? Why would we bring it up? To argue? Or well, in a conversation. And right. Paul's, Paul's point in, in verses um, really 7 through, through uh, 12 is quite brilliant in arguing that the reason why you don't judge your brother is because you're not the judge. The person who has the right to judge is God. God and, will decide and he if will. it's okay or not. That You don't need to help him out. That's right. Um, and to the, to the point about two examples that he gives here, um, well, three examples. He mentions fasting. I already know from Yeshua's conversation with the Pharisees that he and they had some disagreements on fasting. When days should fast, should not fast. He makes a point his disciples will fast later, but not while he's here. When it comes to vegetables versus meat, we have the Daniel example. When it comes to the wine thing, there's the, um, who are they? the sons of... Uh, the, ja um, the Jacobites. Yeah, Jacobites. 
Was it Dragobite? I believe so. Isn't that right? That doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right, but I know what you're right. Recobites. Thank you. Recobites. Thank you. I knew they were ice. I knew they were ice. They commit to one of their, you know, patriarchs that they will not drink wine. They keep it for generations. God upholds them as a symbol of honoring their father. Well, he actually tests them on it. Right. Well, he, but he ultimately shows them as an example versus compared to the rest of the people of Israel, how they were faithful. Right. And the, the point that I'm getting at is, um, so all of these examples, Scripture has already opined that both sides are okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. But in, in the broad context of that, I love how Paul does bring it home. And it, this, I think, lends itself also to the not judge other people uh, when it comes to a disagreement, because Paul echoes what is also restated in James where it talks about like if they consider that wrong that it is it is sin for them like for them which is an odd term because that is something you know what, what do we always say how is sin God defines the Torah. exactly God defines sin this is one of those interesting cases where it's that serious for somebody who feels strong about something if they were to go against it it would be considered sin for them. So that lends itself to the judging thing. It's like, you, just, you don't even know the depth of that decision that they made before God. So you shouldn't even go there. Amen. A question on the stumbling references. There are a lot of references to the word stumble. Um, traditionally, Christianity has always interpreted that word to refer to what Greg was just talking about. Somehow encouraging someone to violate their code, their conscience, their conscience, in order to do something they think is wrong, um, or either convincing them by by argument or by example. However, when I was reading this passage again, the only verse in the entire chapter that seems to even hint at that is the very last one. The rest of it all seems to talk about arguments and judging, almost as if to say that the that the the art the reason you don't want to flaunt things in front of your brother. Um, or, or debate them or whatever else is because you don't want to get into a situation in which you would argue, you would get things heated, people might say Lashon Hurrah or whatever. Or, or worse, they they would be caused, their faith would be would be damaged. Right, but like, I'm just saying, like it just seems to me like the traditional um, don't drink wine from the alcoholics, you might fall off the wagon. While that might be a valid interpretation, I'm beginning to question if that's the primary interpretation I, of this chapter. I, I agree with you, but I don't want to go yet unless we're good. Go. And let me pose another question. Um, to what degree do we honor this? I mean, does it go extend just to our brethren or to um, people who are of different faiths, such as the nations? Um, for example, let me give you an example. Um, my mother honors the first day Sabbath, well, which we know as Sunday. She will not buy and sell on Sunday. I will not buy and sell on Shabbat, the seventh day. What I, I classify in Scripture, Scripture says it's the seventh day. Um, there's a, an issue there because when I want to help do something around the house or her house, she doesn't want me to do it, but she says you can do it Saturday, and there's this conflict. Do I basically uh, go against her own conscience and do things when I find it the most feasible? And do it on the first day of the week, or what should I do? Should I just completely frame because of her conscience? Even though biblically, I can't support it. There's Does that make sense? Days. Sounds like you can need to stop other days. Well, but this is just a very soft white one. It can go even further. Yeah, with let's, it. let's just all yeah. okay. it, it, Oh, I said it caused her to stumble. It. Right. It, oh. It's kind of like for you and I. We're not going to allow a plumber to show up on a. Saturday, 
for something cosmetic, right? The whole house is flooding. Yeah. I'm probably gonna try and stop that. Oxygen. Right. But for something cosmetic, I'm not gonna have something come up to my house. Whereas you probably would not want your mom to do that. So I think you're kind of both at a split like Yeah. I, Aside I, from the other five days of the week, that's a different story. Well, but say someone's worshipping trees. Well, let's, well, I, I mean, does that happen? Well, well, yeah. But your mom's not worshipping trees. Let's finish the one you started. Because sure. I, I think it's a good that's a good example. Tree hugger. Uh, and I and I think uh, Does the scripture say that we can eat meat? No. Yes. Really? Well, to know yes, pick, pick <laughs> one of them. Definitely maybe. Does the, does the word of God say that we can eat meat? Yes. Yes. You sure? I don't want to push you through this. It's going to be a pretty good argument. you got to, you got to have the foundation. Big text well, last week's reading. I mean, last week's problem, portion. I don't remember. I don't remember a part of the Bible. No. Noah was told when he got off the ark. Okay, unlike before, you can eat anything you want, uh -huh. and he defined what he meant by that. Mm -hmm. Not just what grows on its own, but you can also eat meat and of all the fish in the sea and so forth. Okay. Okay. Sometimes it's commanded to eat meat. Correct, but. Yeah. Let us be clear. Are we permitted to eat meat? Yes. yes. Okay. So if I choose not to eat meat, am I violating the word of God? No. 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 Okay. I'm commanded to keep the Sabbath. Yes or no? Yes. 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 If I'm not keeping the Sabbath, or I think that the Sabbath is a different day, and I am keeping that, would it not be similar? Not. If I believe in my heart, if I have been led and taught that the Sabbath is the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week, and I'm doing everything I can to keep the Sabbath, I can't see that. Yeah. Am you I said it was similar. Am I, is I'm told it, I'm allowed to eat food, but I'm commanded to keep. Okay. So you would define this then as not minhag, but halakha. Yes. See where I'm going? See the difference? I don't, I'm not commanded to eat meat. Generally, it's just permitted. And if I want to abstain, I abstain. But keep the Sabbath? We're no longer, we don't have a temple, so there's no like fulfillment of eating meat any longer. Like you don't have to. You don't have to eat right. meat any right. longer. Well, you do. You just can't. This, that's, <laughs> those two are different. Okay, Let's make sure we're clear on that. I mean, we don't want to say that was then, this is now, because that's not what the Bible says. Right? Okay, so I guess what I'm trying to get at is halakha has been settled. Right. What we must and must not do is not open to our interpretation. How we do it is minhag, and that in our own families, in our own communities, is up to us, to a certain extent. So your example, to me, yeah, is halakhic, and therefore, in the spirit of this passage, I would say would be one of teaching rather than preference. 
right? Or in your case, deference, right? Um, but my counsel to you would be, if you were to ask me how you would approach this, I'd ask you to ask somebody else. Because yeah, this, is, this is not fun. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would suggest that a prophet's not welcome in his hometown. It is extraordinarily difficult for you as a son to try and teach your mother. Mm -hmm. That whole dynamic is amazingly difficult, and I would get somebody else to come in and try and show her that change. And if you can't find anybody, I bet God will bless you in as much as you fulfill the other commandment to honor your mom. All right. Yes, sir. What point is it, are we allowed to attempt to change a person's course of what we believe in? Or what point do we have to stop when it's considered passing judgment? Well, I, you know, you're it's you're posing that to me like you know I'm I'm the guy with all the answers and I'm gonna get an answer. And, and my bad habit is that I'll just respond to you and tell you. Um, but I'll go ahead and pose a possible response and see if the rest of the guys agree with me. But I think Paul's point here is Minha. And I think his point, as Gregory so eloquently put early on, is these are examples. And it's just no reason to quarrel. There's no reason to argue over this stuff. I, I just believe that the scripture is clear that wine makes the heart of man and the heart of God glad. So I think it's a great thing. I think it's a good thing. My friend Scott doesn't think so. Why would I even bring it up to him? It's not a sin that he doesn't drink. In fact, it makes him one of the coolest guys I know. Now I got this guy on my head. But it makes him one of the coolest guys I know. He's so steadfast. He's so strong in his beliefs. He is so good at teaching his family. Why would I mess with that? Now, if we're sitting by ourselves and it's just gnawing at me, I might bring it up. But it's been almost 20 years and it hasn't happened yet. And I'm a big wine drinker. Does that kind of answer your question? If it's Holocaust, I can understand. And you're breaking the Sabbath, we're going to talk because that's a different issue. Let's hear. What I think. Say, I've got you next. I think that the question. I think words. The key words we used here were argue, judgment. I mean, I think that to go to something that Mr. Martin and I work on at work. Sometimes we have questions that we refer to as facts and circumstances. Mm -hmm. Basically, the answer kind of changes a little bit depending on. The situation that you're in. So what constitutes sure, like, argument? Like with his mom. Right. What constitutes argument might differ. If you and I disagree with Matter Minhag, we might be able to discuss it for three hours which and never I would actually call, which I would call an argument, because that's the actual definition. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> we might we might not actually reach the stage of passing judgment on one another. We might actually legitimately just be exploring. And, and I would issue. and I would say, good point, that that's where Paul's come from. It's halakhic, and you want to argue it, you should argue it, and you should come to conclusion. If it's minhag, and you want to chat about it, or argue about it, as long as you're not passing judgment, fine. But I think, though, that... But to, for me to start talking to him about eating meat, or to Joshua, well, 
What would be the purpose? Well, yeah, and then, and then that's the key. It's also intention here. So, like, if you wanted to discuss with Jonathan, you know, why he doesn't, maybe he gives you some suggestions or reasons. You come back with some reasons of your own. You discuss it honestly. Without this, the key is, are you intending to try to change his mind? That would be the question. I mean, that's what, another what, element the there. Well, even even if I was, I think Paul's point is. That's where you stepped over the line. Right, that's what I was saying. Because I already have discussed with him right. why he did I would ask the question, though, is what is to be gained by discussing it if it has nothing to do with the Holocaust? Why, why would I... I, I just want to know. Yeah, I think there's... How, how, how can you already meet? How can you don't drink wine? What are you going to do in the millennium? These are things... We're friends. These are things we talk about. Right. We are men of God. There's absolutely no judgment here. It's I just want to know where he's coming from. Yeah, curiosity. it's a curiosity thing, right. and I got to know him. And in some cases, we did the same thing. You may have a situation which, um, you know, maybe curiosity is broader than that. I mean, it's always a, for I don't know about you. You probably would never change your mind. I have a person that when I would have a discussion with somebody, uh, there might be a little doubt in my own head. Like, you know, I've thought about that before. But he should know if he's going to make you stumble. But maybe he'll be able to give me like. You know, devil's advocate position to give sure. me a better idea of sure. why you would go that route or not, and then sure. I can decide for myself if, yeah, that does make sense to me, or no, I'm still not feeling that one, or no, I don't believe that feeling is irrelevant. Yeah, feeling is trying to get a better understanding <laughs> of your fellow neighbor. Gregory, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Just in response to Joshua's question, I like for me, it, it's it sounds kind of loosey goosey to say, but there's a, there's a bit of like an internal measure like you can kind of feel when something crosses over into judgment versus curiosity example would be like you know peter we all know peter my brother-in-law he's vegan and there's been a couple times where we've had like really interesting conversations where he'll see like a documentary about why you shouldn't eat meat and i am genuinely curious at the facts and various things that he's describing so i'll ask him all about it and it's not i can feel myself not intending to try to change his mind i'm just genuinely curious and then there's other times when you run into people who are like vehemently opposed to homeschooling or something militant i am not curious at all in your opinion and i'm not <laughs> we don't need to talk i don't i'm not even gonna bother asking you because i know that i am gonna start straying in my head into an area where i just think you're an idiot <laughs> and so anyway I, I there's a bit of that eternal thing that we always just need to be checking ourselves to see like all right I, Am I intending to have a, a, a curious conversation here or to learn something more about somebody? Because, I mean, even this even applies, I think, in some cases to people of other faiths. You know, there's a, that great book by Ravi Zacharias about, like, uh, the Buddhist and the Christian yeah. or something like yeah, that. Either or, both. Yeah, or, and they, yeah. they're, like, all chatting. You know, they're both chatting back and forth with one another, and they, they end up finding all these similarities, and they develop a relationship, you know? So there's, there, I, I think there's... Uh, we can kind of tell in ourselves when when we're straying into an area where we're, we're looking down with a begrudging eye. I, I would argue that it is impossible for you to do what you just said unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Messiah, who will guide us in all that we should say and in our conversations, in our conviction of sin and so forth. So if you're not a believer, that's never going to happen. And that's where people go astray. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you, you could tell sometimes you're, you're chatting with a guy you thought it was a believer, and things go off track. Yeah. There was a, uh, a story I heard one time of the Lubavitcher Rebbe 
who, it was some, someone else who had met him a couple times and whatnot, and they ended up asking him, like, how on earth do you stand here and, and see people for like eight to ten hours a day, you know, he's in his 70s, how do you just stand there? And even the last person that comes to see you after you've been there for ten hours talking with people, praying with people, that you make them feel like they were the first ones you saw that day. And his response was really neat. He, he basically said, well, it's the same reaction that a jeweler would have every time he comes across a diamond. And everybody that I see is like a little diamond. They have, they have a, the breath of God in them. They're alive. God is in them and, and causing them to be alive. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's what I see. And I, I, it made me think, actually, of, of the interactions that Yeshua had. Because yeah. they were similar. Yeah. People's lives would change just having like a one-line conversation with them. Yeah. Because it was probably very much the same way. Matthew 5 begins uh, for the ATI uh, homeschool curriculum uh, with uh, and uh, Jesus seeing the multitudes went up on a mountain and sat down and opened his mouth and began to speak saying the rest of the three chapters. Um, but the whole the whole thing starts with he saw the multitudes and he saw with the eyes of God. He saw with the eyes of compassion of people in need and people who were made in the image of, of his father. And God bless us if we if we can see people that way all the time. Right? Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. Actually I was just as I Gregory was um, talking over there, I kinda came up with my own opinion from Joshua's question over there. How do you know? and you kind of mentioned it but then you said learn you're attempt you're attempting to learn from what the individual um, has as a point of view and I would think if you have a desire to learn then in your heart is probably not a judgmental exactly um, purpose right and I just caused me to think mm-hmm. that when I'm talking to somebody that if I'm going, if I'm, if I feel myself moving from a, I'm interested and I'm learning to a, oh, I don't agree with that, and here's why. Maybe that's when you know you're you're yeah. at an impasse. That's when you got to back off because you've gone from that's learning good. to yeah. switching to a different that's good mode. Yeah. And to that point, playing out the diamond thing, Rabbi Karlbach talks about everybody being a diamond, and the idea that you can learn from anyone, and I think that's an important because even talk about other religions. Um, not that you want to learn things contrary to the scriptures, but there are lots of values, um, ethics, other types of things, concepts that you can learn from people, even who might disagree with you on 90% of things. That little bit that you have in common can be valuable. Do you want to touch on that last verse, though? Whoever, whatever does yep. not proceed from faith is sin? Yep. Although, unless Craig oh, wants yep. to stay on that other topic. Well, I, no, there was just, uh, to Isaac, that was an excellent point. And that reminded me of the Pirkei Avot, chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, Ben Zoma said, Who is wise? He who learns from everyone. As it is written in Psalm 119.99, I have gained understanding from all my teachers. Excellent point. Amen. That. The reason why I bring this verse up is, again, you've probably never struggled with doubt any day in your life. But some of us in the room, um, you know, some of us in the room, decisiveness, uh, like, you know, especially, especially in the, I know I you're wrong. Yeah, no, right. no, if you, if, if, for those of us who grew up in a, in a, in a more traditional Christian background, um, where there was quite a bit of, uh, 
um, as the spirit leads mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing what you can come up with that is wrong for you or you're not sure about and about changes repeatedly. And um, and not necessarily like the big things, you know, I mean, of course, people have the absurd examples. But but even some of like the small stuff, like, well, I don't know if, I mean, I, I knew a guy who was like, he felt like you know, he got up in the middle of the night and kept kind of a sort of binge eater of sorts. And he really felt like that was a sin. Well, I'll be glad he'd be, but I don't know that eating a box of Cheerios is a sin at night. But the point is that, um, that, that he was really felt convicted by this. So my question is, what does this mean for those of us who are maybe have doubts about, well, almost everything? Yeah. Um, I'll open it up, tee it off with uh, some context. Okay. Um, if you are an alcoholic mm. and you drink, your personality will change. Mm. This is a problem. And drinking is not an option. It's simply not an option because you're no longer obeying the rest of scriptures which speak of being in self-control and so forth. And you're not. You're a different person. You're under the influence immediately. And in, in this case, it would be sin for you to drink. For the man who knows he is a glutton and he has a lack of self-control when it comes to how much food he eats. Getting up in the middle of the night and eating can be deemed sin to him because of his condition. Hmm. Um, I, I don't think we even need to get into whether these are predisposed conditions for certain people or whether you're born with the conditions. Completely irrelevant. In the state in which you find yourself, we are responsible for ourselves. Hmm. And I believe that the, the boundaries we give ourselves where sin for us because this is the only time this kind of phrase appears that's this personal attribution of sin God is the one who defines sin mm -hmm. well it's not the sin to eat the box of Cheerios the sin as you pointed out is gluttony the sin is not having the drink the sin is losing self control and therefore it is sin for you this answers everything that he's talked about if we recognize where people are at. If a man is convinced in his heart that eating meat is wrong and we should not go through as many of the reasons that he wants to go through, if he's convinced in his heart that that's the case, and then he does it, he's violated his own conscience. He is guilty. Nothing but sacrifice can fix this. This would be different from someone who's generally convinced eating meat is okay and maybe he has a little doubt about the issue that decides to eat anyway because he does think it's okay. Yeah, it's completely not in this category. This is, this, these are the ones who have made a faith commitment. Mm -hmm. These are the ones who have made this conscience-searing decision in their lives to live a certain way. Not someone who's waffling. Well, you know, if Joshua tells me last Shabbat he's a vegetarian, and this Shabbat, he's not a vegetarian. Joshua and I need to talk about something other than food. <laughs> right? That'll probably happen. Right. So, you know, something, something's going on, and food's not the issue, right? Right. And if Schmedler were here, 
takes the glass of wine that I didn't offer to him because I only offered the first time, and he told me he's a teetotaler. If he takes the glass of wine, he and I have to sit down. I would, same with Scott, I would think it might do. I, I would actually argue. I would, I, would, I would not give it to him. Now you're concerned. I am. Something's wrong. <laughs> this, we got to fix this. Am, am, I, am I on track? So that's, that's where, where my head puts that in, in a context that works, I think, not only with the chapter, but contextually in the rest of the Bible. Because otherwise, any man can define anything as sin. Right. The only limitation here is that he can only do it for himself. It is interesting that it is sin. Josiah. About, uh, you don't have to speak up so everybody on the uh, in Gastonia can hear. About chapter 14 overall, how Shoal usually uses food and other examples as metaphors for what he's actually teaching. I think that this chapter is for people who interpret it as a metaphor and people who take it literally. Because food, unclean and clean vegetables and meat can uh, be interpreted as an example of how much how much you are going to obey the Torah, as in whether you're going to eat vegetables or eat vegetables and meat, be a vegetarian or be or eat everything. I think that it is that the unclean is only through the eyes of the beholder. That it's a certain point of view. So I don't disagree with you. So, um, let me uh, let me relate something to you that I know my. Uh, my son-in-law does, um, and I know Greg Upham does. Yeah, but then <laughs> guess it to which one it is. Um, <clears throat> when I go to lunch, or when I go out to to, uh, to a restaurant with Greg Upham and his wife, and, and me and my wife, um, I already know. Walk in, he won't eat any meat. How would you describe what he's going to eat? How, he... How would you describe it? If somebody said, this, this is what he's eating, how would you describe it? Pescatarian. I would say vegetarian. Generic. But that's exactly what Paul's talking about. So if, if we're reading this and thinking that it's an all the time kind of thing, that may not be the case. Right? I mean, I, I just went out to, the, to dinner with the Bartos couple. Nice couple, by the way. And uh, didn't your anniversary start at sundown? No. Yeah. Because the Jewish holiday is oh, a different time. But anyway. Isn't tomorrow your anniversary? It's tomorrow. Thank you very much. <laughs> I just didn't want to forget. Happy anniversary. Five years. Greg's not going to eat meat out there in a restaurant because it's not, it's not hectored. So he doesn't know. So he's, he's going to eat vegetables. He's, 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 he's eating vegetarian. This is the same thing Greg Upland does. He also takes his keep off when he goes out to a restaurant because he doesn't want to imply something that's not the case. So is it, is it appropriate for me to argue with, with 
with Greg Upham about whether or not he should be eating beef? No. This is a guy who told us last week or the week before about buying half a cow from somebody and it turned out to be, you know, halal. So Gosh. let's had to get rid of that. One. Yeah. So let's put this in context, right? So it, it may not be a all the time thing. It may be situational. And for him, he cannot do it. And that, I'm sure Greg doesn't do it, right? He just won't do it because it would be completely inappropriate for him because of the way he presents himself, because of, you know, back to wearing the slippers when people are over after 10 o'clock in New York. <laughs> I just wouldn't Fred, do have it. you ever seen anybody wearing slippers after 10 o'clock? Shocking. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the only but I haven't judged. Right, that's right. There's no judgment on that. <laughs> I'd be the only person in New York wearing slippers after 10 o'clock. There you go. Okay. All right, other comments? Are we good on 14? Do we... Do we the only yeah. other Any comments on the sin thing? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> the only comment, the other comment I was going to make is we talked about not judging other people, but and back to your the last the last part of it mm -hmm. says, and I, I, I mentioned before the faith you have, keep it to your, yourself before God, and then it goes on how fortunate, but but it says, but the one who has doubts is condemned if he eats, being whatever you're doing to break your faith, right, um, and whatever is not of faith is sin. So it's not only not judging other people, but keeping to your own faith. Judging yourself for what Being true to yourself and your faith. Exactly right. And, <clears throat> so. and it's interesting. I would never have known that Greg Upham will not eat meat in a restaurant. No idea. And we went to, we went to dinner as a couple several times before I realized, actually, my wife Clued me in. Now, you don't want to go there. It's a steak place. Greg Upham loves steak. He won't eat steak at that place. Why not? Haven't you noticed he doesn't eat meat when he goes out? They always eat vegetarian. I didn't know that. Didn't you go to dinner with him with me? Yes. <laughs> but I was enjoying my steak. That's right. I was having a steak. I didn't realize so. All right, let's move on. Chapter 15. That's great, gentlemen. Good, uh, good job there. All right, Todd, you going to read for me tonight? Sure. Let's, uh, first paragraph of 15 ends at the end of verse 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, for his good, build him up. For Messiah did not please himself, but as it is in reproach of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in formal day, former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Messiah Yeshua that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord, <laughs> Messiah Yeshua. Therefore, welcome one another as Messiah has welcomed you for the glory of God. Well done. And, and nicely uh, placing the words. So, obviously we're continuing uh, the theme from 14. 
And as he brings it up in the, in the first verse, um, the, the thing that we seem to have glossed over in, uh, <coughs> in chapter 14 is the word weak. So, anybody want to... Uh, broach the topic. I imagine Paul using air quotes. Really? Because it seems to me, because Paul has a tendency towards a certain degree of, um, sarcasm is not quite the right word, but um, a bit sardonic, I suppose. And it almost feels like maybe in that respect, he's trying to, because he's arguing, it feels like primarily with those who would consider themselves strong because they <coughs> feel like they don't need do these things based on their beliefs. But and it's interesting, he never addresses the strong as considering themselves strong. True. He only talks about those who have limited themselves as weak in faith. I kind of thought about that, uh, the, the play there, similar to his other statements regarding, like, the wise, you know, like, why regard your wife as a weaker, weaker vessel. Okay. Where it's like, clearly Paul isn't saying... He, I, I don't think he's referring to physical strength. Right, women are wuss, wusses, right. yeah, right. that's how there's like, there is almost like a play of like the, the pride of the person listening to be like, oh, yeah, I got to be extra careful because I'm one of the strong ones and so I need to really take care of them, watch out for them, yeah. you know? And that, that does play well, I think, with us as husbands to be like, excuse me, you should be the one that's like the sacrificial one, the one that's like always deferring yeah. to your wife. Yeah. You know, that's and a true sign of strength. And so in this case, I feel like it's similar. It's okay. like a true sign of strong faith is not whether you can crush somebody with a zinger argument. It's whether or not you can keep your mouth shut and make them feel welcome. In I your like home. that. I like that. That's good. Um, <coughs> I, I mean, I hate to put you on a pedestal, man, but, well, you are. So in this case, it, I'll use my friend as the example here, I drink wine, he doesn't drink wine. Um, yeah, I can't use it, Paul didn't use that. Scratch that. Here you go, bro. So, I eat meat, he doesn't eat meat. So he's weak. He's the weak one in faith. If you've had any time to spend with this guy, <laughs> he's, he, I have the opposite. He's, he's not the guy that I would call weak in faith. Now watch him kick some butt. Go ahead, sir. So the way that I see this is you believe the meat is kosher. I, being weak in faith, thinking that it is kosher, abstain. So I took the uh -huh. okay. further level. So, uh, so work, with, work with the slow Italian. Now as for a person whose trust is weak, me being weak, thinking that, well, that's not kosher meat, welcome him. But not to get into arguments over opinions. One person... Has well, oh, trust. oh I, I see where you're coming from. Okay. That, it's, I, that, that the meat might not be kosher. Yeah. But that doesn't work with the fasting thing and it's inconsistent. And I don't think it's kosher. I think the fact that if you're not willing to eat the meat, it is a weakness of faith. But it's a weakness, but his point is it's a weakness in that belief. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's not saying that his faith generically is weak. Sure, I get that part. But that it's weak, it's weak in that particular belief. But he doesn't have that belief. But it's still weak. And that part we don't seem to want to talk about. So I'd like to bring out a couple of verses right after Gregory 
makes his comment. Hang with me. So, so in absence of, uh, of a much greater Greg, I'll, I'll <laughs> uh, Judaism would say. Uh, <laughs> there he is. In, in, in the case of Judaism regarding this, we see that it was the responsibility, not necessarily, it was the, the, um, the, the, the most lenient of Holocaust came from the most greatest of stages. Agreed. Because the weak faith is the one that would take the easy job and say, Dad, don't do anything. Like, just in your house. Don't, like, don't even mess with anything because we have, we have no idea. You know, that, that it's like that approach. And so from Judaism's standpoint, it's like it takes a, a certain level of, of faith or a certain level of wisdom to find allowances and to do them with full faith. Because, again, going back to whether or not there's doubts, that, that being an issue. So from that perspective... Like, I would consider myself weak as well, you know what I mean? Like, I'm definitely not on a level where you would, you would be comfortable being, like, backing a decision as big as that without consulting anyone else or without, you know, attaching yourself to Judaism's perspective or something like that. Especially because think about it from a perspective of what Judaism sees it as. Being lenient isn't the goal in itself. It's leniency while still being obedient. And that's the challenge. Because anybody can say, I don't know and I don't care. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about someone who has, through their faith, they have a legitimate reason. And they believe that it's true. That something is okay. Yeah, I, I, think, yeah. I think what you guys are trying to do is, is justify the weak brother. I don't have any problem with the weak brother. What we... I think glossed over was that there are weak brothers and there are strong brothers and he's clearly speaking to the strong ones. But we don't want to acknowledge that. So instead of calling people weak and calling people strong, I'm going to I'm going to uh, call out a couple of verses. I'd like to get these read afterwards, please. Um, so um, let's. Uh, Matthew nineteen twenty six Scott. Mm -hmm. jo um, name? Joshua, stop changing your name. Um, <laughs> Mark chapter ten and verse twenty seven. Uh, Gregory, uh, Luke chapter eighteen and verse twenty seven. Uh, Todd, Acts chapter fourteen verse eight. Uh, Isaac, Romans, no, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4, and uh, Joshua, you got a Bible? I do, but I would defer to my brother. Yeah, I know, I'm trying to ignore him. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. Hebrews 6, 18. You give me Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, and uh, Alex, why don't you give us Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. So what I'd like to do is just kind of go around the room. If you got a verse, read it. We don't have to do it in the same order. I just want to read all the verses, and then we'll comment on all these verses. So Gregory, what do you got? Luke 18, 27. But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Scott. Matthew 19, 26. Yeshua looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Okay. Uh, Joshua? Mark 10, 27. 
Yeshua looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Nice. I'm seeing a theme. Joshua. Yeah, Hebrews 6, 18. So that through two unchangeable things, in neither of which God could lie, we would have we would have fled to take a firm hold on the hope set before us. We would be strongly encouraged. Really? Hope being believed. What uh, what verse was that? Six eighteen. Six eighteen. Read it for me again, please. Okay. So that through two unchangeable things, in neither of which God could lie, we who have fled to take a firm hold on the hope set before us would be strongly encouraged. Gotcha. Thank you very much, Alex. Sure. Hebrews eleven verse six. But without belief, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God has to believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Todd, I give you one? Yes. What is it, sir? What is it? Yes. It's uh, Acts 14.8. Ah, Acts 14.8. Yeah. So, now at Lystra... Good for you, brother. There was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. Nicely done. You got one? Hebrews verse 4, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the gift, the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit. Nice. I'm, s- I'm sorry, but uh, Hebrews 10-4. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats in every single verse except Todd's, you should have heard the word impossible. And if we were to rephrase Todd's, it would be, now at Lystra, there was a man sitting for whom it was impossible to use his feet. The word use is actually the same word. This is the word that is translated over and over again in these two chapters as the word weak. So, let's chat a little bit Ooh, now. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, come on, bring it on, brother. Bring it. So, in Hebrew, there's a really important concept that finds its expression in secular society as well, civil society, and it's called permissible, non-permissible, or mutar in is non-permissible. So you'll be like mutar, that's like smoking, you know, the little yeah. symbol, you know, can't smoke. And in Judaism, the idea is that there are some things that are impermissible. They're not necessarily right or wrong, but it's like you sort of set the standard for the community or based on... Minhag. It's a minhag, but it's like, it's it's an interesting one. It it kind of has a little binding authority, much like what Paul's describing here. It's not just just like a, I woke up this morning, I don't feel like eating meat today. But it's more like a more serious, like, you know, conviction... Or your rabbi says, our community, we're not doing X, and that's it, we're done. It has the, almost the authority of halakha, right. but it's the idea of this is permissible for us, this is not permissible for us. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. So I want you to, in, in light of what, what Joshua just said, in light of all the verses you just heard, look back at chapter 14 now. I don't see how impossible... Well, it doesn't read as well. Uh, exactly. So how do you make it fit? As for the one 
whose faith is impossible. His faith is impossible. It's not possible for him to do. It's just not possible. It's impossible for him to do this. It's impossible for him to eat meat. It's impossible for him to drink wine. I, what I want you to see is that Paul, instead of calling the person weak, which we didn't even want to talk about, we went through two chapters and didn't want to mention, oh, you know, it's the weak guy over here, you know. Because that's not what it means. What it means is this man has laid it out. It's impossible for you to do this. Why? Because I've determined that this isn't going to happen. I'm not going to do it. So now it's impossible. And because it's impossible, in his, in his faith, who am I to say, are you, what's wrong with you? Right. You, don't you know we can eat beef? Yes, he does know. That's why it's impossible. He's not saying it's impermissible. He's saying it's impossible. And that's why Paul is saying, why in the world would you argue? You need to keep this stuff to yourself. Because whether you're going to keep the keep on the restaurant or whether you're going to eat the meat or not, you don't need to broadcast that. Just like when you're fasting. Should anybody really know? Watch your face. Put on the right clothes. Put a smile on. It's impossible for you to eat that day. Nobody needs to know it. Do you see now how it's a completely different mm -hmm. perspective? It's really just a personal thing. It's a personal thing. And why would I ding you on this personal thing if you've made it clear? Yeah. Not because you're weak, but because you drew the line. Mm -hmm. That's what he did. And he did a long time ago. Mm -hmm. That's what he did. That's what he did. <laughs> it's their walk and they drew the line but like you said it's not impossible if he wakes up tomorrow and wants a cheeseburger mm -hmm. right he's going to have a cocktail after dinner tomorrow night <laughs> it's not impossible for him to drink it's a choice, it's a choice and it means that it's just kind of wishy-washy and then we get back to James and the one who's tossed to and fro, by the way. Does and, that help? And it's and then I think that also helps too because it clarifies the difference between preference and between belief. Yeah. It's not that I don't feel like having wine tonight because I'm tired. It's It would be impossible for me to do so on any night. And therefore, it would be sin right. to you. Why? Because you've drawn such a strong line in the sand to say, I get it. This is what I'm going to do. This is what the Rechabites did. We're not going to drink. It would be impossible for us to drink wine. Never go back to eating meat now. There it is. <laughs> well, you could. Cigarettes <laughs> and whiskey <laughs> and wild. Right? I don't know. I've stopped that year. You could draw and break it all you want. To, uh, to Paul's point, point, too, I, I, I love how he... Just in case you were wondering why they feel so strong about that, he takes the time throughout these chapters to emphasize 
that is between them and God. Amen. That's not a personal preference like, ah, I just feel weird when I drink alcohol, or I don't feel good when I, you know, it's not like that at all. It's right. like, I've made a decision. That line in the band. Self-boundary self for faith. Exactly. And that, that's the key, is it's, it's out of faith that you and, between you and Hashem. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. And then just so that I don't lose this yes, part go. of chapter 15. Yes, go. Um, having addressed issues of personal faith, he then shifts to a, an obvious tangent, which is Jew versus Gentile, which is an issue even in the Roman community, and um, proceeds to talk about how God loves Gentiles. And God's plan from the beginning was to involve Gentiles. And he quotes over and over again from Tanakh, and he, uh, he does some interesting work with the translation, but he shows how the Tanakh repeatedly has been planning that Gentiles be part of the group. Absolutely. And rather than the Jews point their fingers at them and say, well, you're not part of us, so therefore you have no real right to be here, Paul's promoting his own role as the uh, gospel presenter the, to the Gentiles. The not because he's trying to make a big deal about himself, but because he's, as, as, as his point is here to say, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. And, and this, this reason, is why I, one of the primary reasons, not the only one, but a big reason, why I do not want to convert to Judaism. Because I see my existence here in this room, wearing the tzitzit, wearing this kippah, as a fulfillment of prophecy. Amen. A Gentile that wants to join himself to God. And unfortunately, in the current system, Judaism considers conversion to make you Jewish. That's not what I'm here for. That's right. I'm here to prove that God's proof that he loves all mankind and that through Messiah Yeshua, he can bring us all into his people. That's exactly right. And, and quite frankly, that's, I believe, Paul's biggest argument is that if, if you convert, two things happen. One, you've now done something to save yourself. That's problematic. <laughs> yes. Two, all of your friends are going to say you're now Jewish, which means that the promise of God is nullified. Mm -hmm. There is no promise anymore. If, everybody, if every Gentile converted and was considered then Jewish, there would be no Gentiles in the kingdom. And it's just not the way it is. You're exactly right. And then there'd be no balance. Yeah. And today, there are Jews who are getting excited the Messiah is about to come because there are Gentiles who want to keep the door. That's exactly right. And I just think that's so cool. How would you have time here? I also think it's really cool that verse. We're at it. Verse 4 of chapter 15, where it talks about um, the instruction and everything, but then he says, through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it was cool reading through that this, this time around and being like, oh, I know which scriptures he's referring to. That's, that's exactly right. That's the Tanakh. That's right. Which is so cool because he then is referring to how Gentiles have hope. Exactly. Therefore, buried in the Tanakh, which he, as Joshua pointed out, he flushed a bunch of those verses out. But yeah, that in in the Tanakh is also hope for the Gentiles. Yeah, and if you've read Isaiah 58, I mean, we, we definitely get a good good view on here. Uh, for those of you familiar, um, perhaps growing up in the in the uh, visible representation of the church. I've heard of the Holy Spirit as being the comforter, right? the one who comes alongside. Uh, this is uh, the parakaleo, right? That's the work. 
the encouragement of the scriptures is paraclesis. It's the same word. That comfort and encouragement that we can get. Well, gentlemen, you have blown it out of the water again. And uh, I will take under advisement uh, whether or not we should have yet another class on uh, chapter 16 and also verses of uh, 15. But I think uh, if you would read those at home, we probably can come to some great conclusions and maybe have two or three minutes uh, in our next lesson uh, on that. So um, watch, uh, watch online. I don't think, let me, uh, let me confirm this, but I don't think that uh, lesson 39 is up there for you yet. You are going to be in Acts chapter 20 as we return. If we could end on, uh, chapter on Romans chapter 15, 21, before we end with prayer. Okay. Some very powerful words there. Cool. All right, why don't you go ahead and give us, uh, in context, 18 down 21. No, I'm sorry, verse 21, not down 8 from 18 to 21. Okay. For I will not dare speak of anything except what the Messiah has accomplished through me to bring Gentiles to obedience by my words and deeds, through the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way to Lyricum, I have fully proclaimed the good news of the Messiah. I have always made it my ambition to proclaim the good news where the Messiah was not yet known, so that I would, that I would not be building on someone else's foundation, but rather, as the scripture puts it, those who have not been told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Amen. Mm -hmm. It is good stuff. I mean, that's very powerful. It is, it is the fulfillment of the age. And when those have come to their fullness, Messiah will return. Amen. So you're going to be in Acts chapter 20. We're done with Romans. We read Romans at this point because Paul had sailed and traveled down into Greece and wanted to go to Rome, did not have opportunity to do so. He spent three months there, wrote this letter, sent it, and then headed back and was in a rush to get back for the festival so he could end his uh, vow. So you're going to be reading about that uh, for next week, and I'll have uh, probably in the next day, um, I'll have the uh, rest of your, your thing up there. By the way, what was it that uh, everyone knew about the Roman Assembly? There was one thing he mentions. Obedience. It was obedience. Amen. Good job. Their obedience to the Scripture. Their obedience to the Torah. And the vast majority of this community were Gentiles, not Jews. Yes, indeed. The obedience of faith is what he used in chapter 1, verse 5, and he closed out. Chapter 16 with that same thing. Very, very cool deal. All right. Uh, Gregory, you've been talking tonight. Why don't you go ahead and close us in prayer? Right? Oh, I'd be glad to. Thank you. Avinu, our King, you are Father, our King. You are good and forgiving and abundantly kind to all who call upon you. Tonight it is a privilege to sit with a bunch of men that are all calling upon you, asking you to, to fill them with your spirit, to fill them with understanding and wisdom, to walk out lives as godly men, as men dedicated to your word and to the testimony of your son, Messiah Yeshua. Mm. 
Thank you, Father, for opening our eyes. Thank you for giving us the privilege to study as free men here in this house. We ask you to bless this house as a house of study. Bless the master of this house and the lady of this house for their hospitality and for their graciousness. And Father, please be with us throughout this whole week. Strengthen our hands that we may work hard and bring us in peacefulness to Shabbat this coming week. And Hashem Yeshua. Amen. 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 Thank you, gentlemen.